0: Sports fans, welcome back to another episode of Maroon and Bold, your home for everything Chippewa sports-related. I am your host and CM Life Sports editor Mitch Fosberg here for episode 3 of season 11 of Maroon and Bold. Today's episode, chock full of good stuff and a new little segment here. But before we get too far into what's going on schedule, let's look at the actual sports schedule for this week. Starting first with CMU Women's Soccer coming down to a nitty gritty. We taught great discussion with Noah Wolpert on the team two games this week. Thursday the 21st, they are at Kent State, which, how is Kent the State? I still don't know how some of these schools in the MAC got their name. Uh, That's set in Kent, Ohio for a 7 p.m. start on Thursday, October 21st. And then Sunday, October 24th, 1 p.m. at the CMU Soccer Complex. The Chippewas host Ohio for Senior Day. If you can get out to the Soccer Complex, I highly advise you do. Not only is it a great place and a great time, but also just just pay one little final respect to the, the senior class. Right now, they're sitting at 7-7 overall, 4-4 in conference play. Looking like as long as, they can, as long as they can get a couple wins here, they'll be in the MAC tournament. And again, myself and Stafford, uh, Stafford Porter, and Noah Brook to have, have a really good discussion on soccer they will kick off the show here. Uh, CMU Field Hockey, coming off a tough loss. Uh, two real games, uh, fr- Friday, October 22nd at 1 p.m., they traveled to the state of Kentucky to take on Bellarmine. And then Sunday, October 24th, 20, they stay on the road for another 1 p.m. start against St. Louis. So no home field hockey games this week, unfortunately. But the next weekend, it's two home games with Appalachian State to round off the regular season. CME Volleyball has a schedule that just... How they manage this, I don't know. Um, Wednesday, October 20th at Eastern Michigan University. That's a 6 o'clock start in Ypsilanti. And then October 22nd and 23rd, they're down in Oxford. For those who know college volleyball really well, they're playing at Mammy of Ohio. Carolyn Conda has his team playing really well. No surprise for a three-eighth season. Friday's match starts at 7 p.m. and Saturday starts at 5 p.m. And then finally, CMU football coming off two wins, a 30-27 win at Ohio. And then this past weekend, a twenty-six twenty-three overtime win, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe in the mullet yet, believe in the mullet, that is Marshall Meter. Made his last seven kick attempts, and it was also the Mid American Conference Mac sorry, the Mid American Conference West Division specialties player of the week. Congratulations, Marshall, on that one. And also just a quick tidbit to everybody listening, don't say Mac Conference. Cause literally you're saying the Mid American Conference Conference. That's your lesson of the week. But I'm going to quit rambling here. Let's get to our soccer talk with Noah Wolber. You know, I'm seeing a trend here, which, but for, for football, I talked to, football, I mentioned earlier to start off, you know, since we took our little break for mental health stuff, like, they've, well, they've just won. Field hockey's gone a three game losing streak. Soccer did both. It is the weirdest thing. So, joining me now is uh, Stafford Porter and Central Michigan Life Soccer beat writer Noah Wolberg. You Noah, know first of all, Happy Monday, if that's even plausible. Okay. How are we doing today?
1: Oh, uh, we're doing good. Doing good starting the week off and ready to uh, get it done.
0: Glad I'm right on, right on. So, let's recap the week before, because we didn't get a chance to talk last week. Two big wins. A 3 nothing win against Akron, and then a last-minute one nothing win at Buffalo. That long of a trip is just brutal. Just talk to me about those two games real quick.
1: So, the game against Akron was really, really good to see, because that was... One of the first games where I saw them score and keep scoring. And it wasn't just a 1-0 loss or a 1-0 victory. Yeah, I could see, okay, so when the offense is running well together, when we get these good and fast-break opportunities, like, they will score. Which was something that I kind of struggled to see throughout the season, like they'd get maybe an open net and miss or just have an opportunity and not get there. But I was like, okay, I have faith for this team to start winning some more games now, which was really good to see. And coach was really happy with the outcome. Players were really happy with the outcome, which would let me to believe that like we could go to Buffalo. Like you said, it's the longest trip right now for us to go in the MAC conference. But uh, that to play at their stadium in those conditions on that kind of road trip, a Sunday game especially, and to come out with a W is a huge win. And they played well against them. They they kind of had them. Is back and forth at some points, but when you really are looking at like how are they controlling the ball on offense, how are they controlling the ball on defense? Are they pressing? Are they reacting to how Buffalo is pressing them? And they all they did it really well and they finally got the opportunity they were looking for at the end and to walk away with that victory is super nice.
0: We talk about two victories, now we gotta talk about this weekend. Did not quite go the same in Triple West's favor. Per 1-0 losses at home on Thursday at Toledo Regulation, and then 1-0 overtime, heartbreaker really if I think about her enough. Two Bowling Green. Talk about that Toledo game first.
1: So the Toledo game seemed like we weren't really quite there. Seemed like they maybe took just a little bit of a step back, but not too much. I mean, they still played a really well game, but what was really the key matchup in that was the goalkeepers. Allison LaPointe and then uh, Butterwick, uh, Toledo, they're top two, top three, in and in six or seven of the major goal scoring categories in the MAC. So you know that it was going to be low scoring no matter what. Toledo was fast paced, they pressed, but not as much as when I was talking to Coach as one of the things he mentioned previously before the game, um, after the win against Buffalo, I asked him about the upcoming Toledo game. He's like, they're gonna be aggressive, they're gonna press, they're gonna have high energy. But they didn't press as much as he anticipated, so they definitely had to change up the game plan a little bit. Um, But they had had a solid game, but when it's coming down to these 0-1 games at this kind of crunch time period where now we've only got a few more games to go, you gotta, you gotta get these Ws against these teams, good or not. If you get, if they want to get these championship aspirations as a team this year, then that that can't really happen.
0: Which brings us to our next point with Bowling Green, one of the leaders in the conference. A regulation, obviously, back and forth, back and forth with one of the top teams in the conference. But then, um, talk to us about that uh, that foul play.
1: Yeah, so they were, I mean they – they outplayed them the whole game.
0: CMU outplayed Bowling Green. Yeah, out- okay.
1: CMU outplayed Bowling Green that entire game. I would say from start to finish, there's definitely – Bowling Green had its moments, had their breakaways at some point. But when, they were sh- when Bowling Green were shooting, they're going for the net, super off target. Defense was holding them really well. It looked like Bowling Green was really struggling. And when Central came down, they had a lot of really good opportunities, open nets um they had good passes almost assist like goals that could have been but they just you know goalkeeper stopped them maybe hit off the post but otherwise they kept on firing away and like they were playing smart they weren't just kind of shooting to shoot they were in there to get the goal
0: they were shooting with a purpose
1: they were and I was like okay that when it goes to overtime I I will think that we will win this game and then it was just Boom! That one breakaway play, and then I, as soon as it happened, I'm like, "No!" They played s- that's such a well game for that to happen. Really stunk because that should have that should have been a win if they kept on that play without that breakaway for Bowling Green at the end. Central should have walked away with the victory there.
0: So, what? How that fell actually happened? It was a breakaway, but like, what exactly happened with Rachel Love? Like, what did she do exactly?
1: So they were they were coming down and is right in the corner of the box uh if if let's say we're uh looking on bowling green side we're coming down the field left side they get right in the goalie box Rachel goes to kick the ball but kicks the player's feet right oh. from under her and I was like oh man that's a penalty kick yes.
0: okay
1: and so they of course they got their uh I can't I think can't think of her name she's um for Bowling Green, she's a fifth-year senior, and she's from she's from Illinois, but she's definitely, like, their best player. So she went up to do the penalty kick, and it was close. I mean, it was bottom left of the goal. If Allison point maybe had two more inches on her fingers, she probably would have stopped that. Jeez. But for them to go down like that, that, that was tough.
0: So here we are now in this predicament. Three games left. Two on the road. At Kent State on Thursday. Home against Ohio on Sunday the 24th. Then at Eastern on the 28th. I feel like at this point, we can talk about this with other, other teams too, um, they're in, this is definitely a win now mode. Like You have to yeah. get these wins. What challenges does Kent State present? Especially on the road at a camwich which again, that's not a short drive.
1: No, and that's, well, when we're talking about these three games in succession bowling green kent state ohio that's (laughs) that's the opposite way of the max standings at the very top bowling green is third kent state is second and ohio is first so these are all very tough games and because they weren't able to finish games previously in the season now they have to rely upon we need to get these wins against the best teams in order to secure our spot basically so it's it's not looking the best Watching them play, I think they have the chance. They have the chance to win. They really just need to execute when they're in these offensive opportunities because most of the time when they're losing, it's off of a play that was just a break in the defense, something that could easily be fixed. And if they had a goal to combat that overtime, then they would just keep on playing, or they would have won at that point. But these are tough. Kent State's that's going to be a tough one on the road. Ohio even though that's going to be a home game, which the Chippewas have seemed like they've played pretty decent at home compared to the road. Um, they're, they're tough games. Eastern, I think, should be – that's that shouldn't be that big of a problem. They're not having a great season.
0: But knock you know, on wood, knock no in the match.
1: Knock on wood, but if we could walk out of this, these last three games with a 2-1 and one record, I think that might be able to just get us there.
0: So, you mentioned the top of the Mac. How's the rest of the standings looking right now as we're talking on Monday?
1: So, we just talked about Ohio, Kent State, Bowling Green. They're one, two, and three. We got Buffalo, Toledo, and Miami at four, five, and six. And then Central is sitting at seven. Currently, they're tied with Miami in the Mac at 500. Okay. Four wins, four losses. So, the top of the Mac, top three spots, we got six wins. You're looking at a loss, maybe a tie or two. But Buffalo, Toledo, and Miami all just have four wins. So we're at 500 right now, but they are they got four wins, two losses, two ties. If we could get two wins and these teams maybe just stagnate a little bit, this could easily put us in a much higher spot. But if we can't win these, then I don't know if we're going to be able to push to get into these MAC championships.
0: Right now, because I believe if I'm not mistaken – I believe it's top eight get in
1: correct yeah okay
0: so as long as they ride, so who are the teams like right below
1: so right now we got ball State western Northern Illinois Eastern and Akron but at this point in the season it looks like Northern Illinois Eastern and Akron are okay. kind of out they all only have one Mac win so, but when we got Western and ball State they're both tied I'd say ball State is definitely more of uh competition because they they have a they have a decent team this year we took a loss at home from them they look like a solid team they got some good players so if they if i don't i'm not sure what their schedule is looking like ball state but if we're playing these top teams most likely ball state might not have the toughest schedule if they went out that could be that could be trouble for central
0: right now so by sounds of it but you're saying a 2-1 record in these next three games, they're fine. But you mentioned Kansas City and Ohio being at the top of the standings. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Eastern's kind of out of it at this point, correct? Yeah, yeah. So you're facing the two heavyweights in the conference and a team with nothing to lose.
1: Yeah, that's also scary.
0: That's, this is going to be an interesting three-game stretch. So before we wrap things up here, do you, let me ask you two things. One – any last things to make it off your chest? To end this segment up, do you believe a 2-1 stretch in these three games is plausible?
1: Yeah. Yes, I think 2-1 I think is. I think either the home advantage against Ohio might be, especially at this point in the season, there's been a lot of fans coming out this year to support the soccer team. So last couple of games, if people know the situation, they might want to come out here. If we got a big crowd of people, that might motivate the players, It might even be intimidating to the opposing side so i could see a home advantage against ohio really being a big factor but i could also see them winning at kent state but when you're talking about the two top dogs right now top of the conference it could really go either way i think we could have been up there with them this year just some tough losses they got the potential and you know and even eastern like you said nothing to lose and when it gets down to the end of the season for any sport, if you're not that great of a team and you don't have really much to lose, like, you know what, this might be a playoff team unless we're not letting them in.
0: Noah, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate the sit-down. Again, you guys catch CMU at home Sunday. Let me double check the time here at 1 p.m. It is senior day. It is the last home regular season game for the Chippewas. So come and support. Noah, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mitch. Again, you can catch CMU Soccer. and Unfortunately, they're on the road on Thursday as they play Kent State at 7 p.m. on October 21st. But it's Senior Day, October 24th, 1 p.m. At, CMU, at the CMU Soccer Complex. Please, if you get out there, come support the Chippewas. They're coming down with the nitty-gritty, the American Conference schedule to get in the MAC tournament. It's always a fun time there. But now, let's transition into our volleyball talk with Mr. Sean Chase. Hey. Sean, last time we talked, we kind of mentioned that, you know, this could be a time to see to volleyball turn things around, and uh, well, it's been a couple weeks since we talked, but right now, they've uh, dropped their last three. Um, last time we talked, we talked about road trip to Kent State in Ohio. They beat the Golden Flashes 3-1, lose at Ohio 3-2, no sprinkles on the road trip, but then, it's past weekend at home for a pair of games with Bowling Green, both 3 nothing losses. Sean, first of all, welcome back to the show. I know we had a bit of a week last, a bit of a, a bit of a... Little pause last week for some mental health stuff, but just talk about this last two weekends for CMU.
2: Well, the, the weekend before this weekend, it started out very good. They went into Kent State's home stadium or home arena, I guess I should say, and put it on. They played outside of their mind. It looked like they were turning things around after the two Western losses, because I'm pretty sure last time we talked was right before those happened. Those didn't go our way either. They've lost five of six. But then they went into Bowling Green, and I guess I didn't realize how good Bowling Green was prior to this. They've dropped one set in the MAC all year. That's incredible in my mind, and they played Western twice already. they played the top teams that you could play. But CMU's struggling to find that offensive rhythm still. Savannah Thompson can't be the only option, and that's what they're finding. And then you lose Allie Gertiza after Savannah Thompson hits a ball harder than I've ever seen anyone hit it, and it gets blocked into Gertiza's face. And she's out. Like Coach was said, he saw her blinking, and he had to take her out. So, Oh, jeez. It was rough, but they still, they're fighting. You know what I mean? They're giving it everything they got. Grace Butler has stepped it up on the assist end, setting up. Savannah Thompson, Sierra Gray has been coming through strong. So, And Elizabeth Rosario Martinez, they wanted to get her going. She's rolling now. So. Well, but sounds like maybe just the outside hitting rotation still probably needs stuff. Uh, yeah, still needs adjustment. a little bit of work. But they've got a lot of freshmen there too, like Linnea Willer who when she's on, she's the best in the country, but she has those moments where uh she's not hitting it as well or the, she can't get through the block and that that will come with time too, Coach Gullick says. So Right now then obviously this week we looked at the schedule and I thought it was a typo, but no.
0: Three games <laughs> this week. Wednesday, October 20th, they're at Eastern Michigan, and then they head out to Oxford, which is, what I heard, not a fun drive. I don't want to make it for football season. A pair of games with Miami of Ohio on Friday the 22nd and Saturday the 23rd. Three games and four days. If I'm counting right my fingers here as a, you know, redneck kind of guy here. But <laughs> three games, four days, on the road. Yep, slightly, obviously not a bad drive, but going to Oxford for two, and for those who follow Mac Volleyball, they know exactly the type of animal Miami is. Uh, let's talk about this Eastern matchup first. What does CMU have to do to walk out of Yipsy with a win?
2: They've got to find their offensive rhythm, mainly. They've got to get, as Coach Gallick always says, they've got to get more terminal, more balls got to hit the floor on the other side of the net. And I think that will come through Savannah Thompson really finding her stride. She's been dealing with a couple injuries that we don't know exactly what they were, but you could see that she was struggling, and she stepped up defensively. Now we need to see it on the offensive end again. What challenges does Eastern present? Oh, Eastern's actually got a very similar record to CMU right now. They're 8-11. and They're doing better in the conference. They're 3-5. and And from what Golick has said, they're just a powerhouse offensive team as well. So CMU's going through the ringer of powerhouse teams at this point, and hopefully come mag time, we'll be ready to just give it to people. We can hope at this point, but then at Miami, for those who don't know,
0: under head coach Carolyn Condit, it's now her thirty eighth year at Miami. What she has done for that program, I think, speaks for itself. I think coming in this one, I think, I don't think they take two, but they got to get one.
2: Definitely, you
0: mentioned the offensive rotation too, but outside of that, like, what's it going to take for this team to walk out this weekend with two wins instead of potentially one or zero?
2: It's gonna be great. They're just gonna to have to want it more. They're gonna to have to go in there and say, "Hey, we're done losing. We're it's time to start smacking people in the mouth because they can do it." We've seen it early in the season that when they wanted to go in, when they were fully in rhythm, they are hard to beat. I think after Bowling Green, those two losses, the team—I'm not gonna say they were down or broken, but even Coach Golic said he's like, I'm, "We're not broke, but we're—they're they're they're gotta find a way." Like they're bad,
0: they're bent, they're gonna get a Yes, green. sir. That makes sense. Any last thoughts about this team before we sign off so that we can get you off going for the rest of your week for
2: the semester? I'm just excited to see them bounce back because you know they're a good team. They're hungry and they want it. I'm excited to see Allie Gertiza come back to the court because she's the most incredible freshman volleyball player I've seen in a long time. All so. right, on, ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. Sean Chase talking
0: some CMU Volleyball. Sean, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Again, CMU Volleyball not home this week. Uh, three row matches. Wish, wish the best luck to them. That's just An absolutely brutal schedule. But I think it's now time that we introduce our new segment to the show. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. All right, joining me now making her maroon and bold debut is our wonderful sports intern, Miss Grace Butler. Grace, welcome to the show. How are we doing today?
3: Hi, I'm great. How are you? Uh,
0: just hanging in there. It's been a long, stressful week. Uh, Grace is with us this semester filling out her internship requirement. Um, you may also know Grace as a starting center for the CMU volleyball team as well. Uh, but today, uh, we, uh, we're in- just introducing a new segment. We're going to bring in Grace's Corner. So, what Grace is going to be able to do with us is she's going to sit down with an athlete or a coach, hopefully once a week, depending on our schedule, because it's getting the thick of volleyball season right now. But talk to us who are the first guests this here?
3: Our first guest is Jordan Patty from CMU Baseball. Ooh,
0: alright. So what made Jordan just like so appealing to
3: you? I mean, his perfect game kind of caught my eye, and I really want to know what he had to say about it.
0: Right on, right on. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Grace Butler's sit down with CMU starting pitcher Jordan Patty.
3: All right, tonight I'm here with Jordan Patty, the senior right handed pitcher from CMU baseball. How are you doing tonight, Patty?
4: I'm good. How are you?
3: I'm good. Have you watched any football today?
4: Too much. The Lions are awful and the Rams are losing, so it's not a good day.
3: Yeah, you saw the Bears beat the Lions like that? Yeah.
4: That's uh, tough. It so, was, was
3: if you're a Lions fan, I'm guessing you're from Michigan.
4: Yeah, yep, Midland, Michigan, 30 minutes from here, so kind of close.
3: That's not bad. Is that kind of why you chose CMU then?
4: Yeah, close to home. Um, family could come watch. I could go see them if I wanted to, and uh, I just have a lot of family around this area, so. Just That's really nice. Spot.
3: Do they come to a lot of your
4: games then? Yeah, yeah. Like my dad will come to basically every game if he's not working. Uh, Homer away. Um, grandparents will come. Aunt and uncle from North Carolina came up a couple times last year, so it was pretty cool.
3: Nice. Okay, so in your season, this past season, you had the perfect game, which we, most of us, if you're into sports, know about this, which was against Miami. What was going through your head during the seventh inning?
4: Um,. If anything, just, just kind of keep doing what I was doing all game, getting ahead of hitters, just trying to keep them off balance. But uh, once there was two outs, I was kind of freaking out a little bit. <laughs> Had to step off, um, catch my breath, and kind of took it all in. Looked up in the crowd a couple times, but uh, yeah, nothing much. Just trying to get the guy, yeah. get the guy out.
3: How did um, how did your family react after that game?
4: Oh, they were freaking out. So. <laughs> like I said before, I, my family from North Carolina was up and they got to see that. Um, so that was pretty cool. And I got the game ball from coach after the game and gave it to my dad. So he's got it in the house somewhere. And, uh, yeah.
3: Damn. That's nice. Who would you say are your biggest supporters?
4: Um, obviously my family, um, dad, mom, little brother. Um,
3: how old's your little brother?
4: He's a freshman in college this year, so 18. Oh. Goes to state. Nice. Um,
3: Did he play baseball?
4: Yeah, he was a catcher, so he always catches me when I go home. You threw
3: so, to him? Yeah. But, um. Uh, yeah. So, for your games, what's your pregame ritual like?
4: Um, it's going to sound stupid, <laughs> but I listen to the same three songs on repeat. No headphones, just on my phone. <laughs>
3: What are the songs?
4: Um, one of them is my walk-up song, The Way I Are, by Timbaland. Not bad. Um, sorry, I'm looking it up. You're good. Disturbia by Rihanna. And uh, Solitaries by Future. So listen to those three.
3: <laughs> do you just listen to them on repeat, or you just do the three and then you're good?
4: No, just on repeat. So like, <laughs> I'll get to the field like hour and a half early, listen to the songs on the way there, and then I also drink a Monster and a Half.
3: Why only the half?
4: Because <laughs> if I drink both, I might as well just get a bang, and I don't want that much caffeine, because one time I drank a bang before and I was shaking.
3: True, I, I used to do that too, you yeah. get the tingles. Yeah, dude. I know.
4: So, <laughs> listen to those three songs, drink a Monster and a Half, and then just chill in like the clubhouse area before the game before I go stretch
3: nice um (laughs) what would you say your team's chemistry is like right now
4: um I think it's a step ahead of where we were in previous years especially COVID year last year because a bunch of us couldn't hang out with like the whole team with with COVID going on we had to be pretty cautious but this year we've got gotten a lot of guys to come over to the house hang out watch some football make some food um I definitely think it's a step up from last year um but it right now it's it's good but it can get better
3: do you feel like you like you said last year during COVID like you couldn't really hang out with everybody especially I bet like the newcomers so do you feel like you've gotten to know people better even who were on your team last year
4: yeah, yeah. Um, just because you can hang out more. Yeah, just being around them more. Yeah. Um, Just hanging out, like watching football. Like we'll put the TV out on our deck and we'll have people over just watch football, eat burgers and stuff like that. Um, we can hang out in the locker room now and, and just kind of chill instead of having to just get in, change, get out type of thing.
3: So what, you did a lot of traveling. I know you guys, your road schedule is crazy. Mm-hmm. What's your most memorable on the road story that you can think
4: of? <laughs> um, I don't know. I like to sleep on the bus. Oh, a lot.
3: Well, I heard you guys playing like mafia though.
4: Oh yeah, we do play Moth a lot. And, <laughs> oh, there was one time I was trying to do like a project with a group. And I was on, like, FaceTime with them. Yeah. And all these dudes are just screaming at each other. Because, like, they're trying to, like, say they're in them off. And I was playing, oh, God. too. God. And it got down to, like, me and, like, two or three other guys. And I wasn't paying attention at all.
3: Oh, no, you can't.
4: Yeah. And <laughs> I was an idiot and voted myself off, even though I knew I was a townsperson. <laughs> so... And I didn't hear the end of it for the rest of the season last year. So, so
3: you're the worst Mafia player. Yeah, here, it, was, pretty much. it was pretty bad. That's tough. <laughs> so um, what's your relationship like with Coach B? I know you, you've you been with him for a few years now. What's yeah. that
4: like? Uh, we've got a really good relationship. Um, obviously him coming over from Northwood, which is in Midland, mm-hmm. where I'm from. It's I've seen him around a lot of talked to him here and there before college, but um, just having that familiar face when he got here, it really opened the door. You know, instead of trying to get to know someone completely new, you yeah. already know like of him and of what you think he would like or what kind of ball player you would he would like. And I think him and I's dialogue over the last three, four years has increased, and we can just kind of talk to each other about anything, um, whether it be baseball, school, off the field, um, just anything like that. He's he's really a great dude and someone you can really trust and go talk to.
3: Yeah, that's kind of the best for, like, a coach. Yeah. Is – um, so you probably – you have, like, a pitching coach – Right.
4: Yeah, Coach Jay.
3: Coach Jay, how's Coach Jay? He's good. He's
4: <laughs> he's like a player's coach. Um, yeah, but those guys he, are always funny. Yeah, and but he makes you work. Like he'll text me Monday right after lift. Hey, you want to go do this, this, and this for pitching? And he's always there for you. He always mm-hmm. wants you to get better. And and he's someone you can joke around with too. It's not like, oh, we're gonna have like a strict like, oh, you have to do this, no questions asked, like. We've got good, like, back-and-forth communication, like, telling it him, oh, I like this, don't like this, I feel this, I don't feel this. Right. It's just good. It's just good to have those guys in your corner.
3: Yeah. So, um, in the fall right now, what's baseball up to currently? Like, what's your everyday schedule, I guess?
4: So, we're lifting three times a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then practicing Monday through Friday. Um, we're doing the occasional... Scrimmage here and there between between us, and then we're starting our fall World Series this week. So just a bunch of games. um
3: Are those just like against your own team? Yeah. Do you yeah. are you guys playing anyone this fall?
4: No, I don't know. Because two years ago, I know we played like Lansing,
3: right? CC, yeah.
4: and then I think someone else. But no, we're not playing anyone this fall. I think we're just going to keep it in house this year.
3: Gotcha. Do you Have you guys heard any news about who you're playing for pre-conference next year?
4: Yeah, but it's not for sure. Like, I heard Wake Forest, Coastal Carolina, and then Iowa. But I don't know if we're going to play, like, other teams in there because some of it might be, like, a tournament. Right. But those are, like, the three main ones that I've heard, which is pretty cool.
3: Which one out of those are you most excited for if it happens?
4: Uh probably wake forest just because i played with a dude from wake forest this summer and, oh and he's a clown so it's gonna be good to see him but
3: how was how'd your summer ball go i good. heard i saw you guys were winning a lot
4: yeah it was good it was a lot of fun um
3: you were with andrew right mm-hmm.
4: Out oh, in born massachusetts and yeah it was a lot of fun people love baseball out there especially <laughs> k baseball and like you could wear like a born shirt into a restaurant and they'd be like Oh, that's sick, you play? That's and so cool. We're like, yeah, like and they're like, oh cool, we're gonna come to the game tonight or tomorrow. So That's
3: super fun. Yeah. What is if you have one yet, your plan for after
4: season? Um so I could go one of two some
3: I- ways. Some some ideas.
4: So I could go one of two ways. Um right now I'm in grad school, so I'm either gonna complete that if this baseball thing doesn't work out um but if baseball works out hopefully get drafted somewhere sign a free agent deal and uh go play at the next level so
3: if you could get drafted by any team what would it be
4: (laughs) i think the brewers just so i could play with zave again
3: that'd be so cool that'd be sick yeah um,
4: (laughs) either that or the dodgers just because uh they're minor league teams in midland
3: oh i didn't know that yeah that's cool And doesn't someone from CMU, well, he's on the actual team now, I think.
4: Yeah, McKinstry. Zach. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But D-Rob was playing with the Loons and stuff until COVID and something like that, so.
3: Nice. Okay, time for some icebreaker questions. (laughs) If you didn't play baseball, what sport would you play? Like, and if you were good at it.
4: Hockey, 100%. Why? I I just think (laughs) hockey is so sick. It is. Like, it's so fast, and you can just lay people out, too, which I'd probably get laying out a lot. But <laughs> yeah, you'd have to gain some weight, maybe. Yeah, probably.
3: <laughs> um, who would you say is the funniest on your team?
4: Jack Fecko. He's, like, he's a freshman. Okay. And he's just the funniest kid I've ever met without him trying to be funny.
3: Just naturally funny. Yeah, he's a clown. I'll have to meet him. <laughs> um, who would you say is the messiest on your team? Oh, I'm scared to know. Uh,
4: either Huss or Butch. Oh, you're
3: kidding. <laughs> really? Why, why would you say that?
4: Well, <laughs> I'm saying this just because Butch like cut his shirts for practice into like v-necks. I'm not surprised. And then... Hush just has stuff all over like uh, the locker disorganized. room and
3: stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you need to help him out with that. I'm,
4: I'm trying a little bit.
3: <laughs> okay, um, Hulu or Netflix? Netflix. Good answer. Spotify yeah. or Apple Music? Apple Music. Favorite chick flick?
4: Fifty First Dates.
3: <laughs> Describe your perfect date night.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, dude, I don't know. Um. <laughs>
3: Something you wish it could be maybe. I
4: don't know. Like a like a chill day by the pool with like some margaritas or something. And oh then, that
3: sounds nice. And
4: then, <laughs> and then like a like a movie but on like a, a projector. Like an outdoor screen. That'd oh, be yeah. sick.
3: That'd be cool. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> what's your most embarrassing Baseball story, like, when you were playing, like, just the time you completely just embarrassed yourself?
4: Um, I think one time in Little League. (laughs)
3: Little League. (laughs) You've been perfect ever since.
4: (laughs) No, absolutely not. Oh, I also... So, there's, like, two. Okay. In Little League, I was playing, like, second base or something like that, and there was a ball like hit to me and like my glove fell off and it drilled me in the chest (laughs) and i went down because i was soft and i started crying and then there was another one where i was going to field the ground ball when i was like 14 and it took a bad hop and hit me in like the lip nose area
3: were you injured
4: I was injured yeah and, I, <laughs> and then I was scared to feel the ground ball after that because I thought every ball was gonna honestly come it is scary dude, especially I don't know how they do ball. it yeah
3: <laughs> seriously like when when balls are hit at you when you're pitching are you like low-key a little bit scared
4: yeah dude I broke my hand from a line drive Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah true yeah yeah no they can guys can hit the ball really hard
3: yeah I know it's impressive I would be terrified Okay, who is most likely to become famous on your team, and why? Like, what would they become famous for? (laughs)
4: Um,
3: Other than, like, going pro for baseball.
4: Yeah, no, it has to be either something really dumb or really (laughs) stupid. Um, I feel like Simpson could be on, like, a a Masked Singer type T V show.
3: He's like doesn't he like dance and stuff? A little bit. I don't know, I saw his TikTok.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. TikTok guy.
3: Yeah, true. So. Okay. Um, rapper country. Rap. Yeah, I guess that. Um if you could see any artist live, who would you see? Chris Brown. Hmm. I saw him live. Was he good? Yeah. He Dude, really I good. love Chris I Brown. I saw him in Detroit actually. He was super good. Um, What's the last concert you've been to?
4: I've been at Tim McGraw at Soaring Eagle. Oh, country. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um. What's the favorite? What's your favorite city that you've played baseball in, so far? Or your favorite Mississippi campus? State. Right. The regional. Yeah,
4: it was so cool. Like. 13,000 people there, and then they fed us after, so it was pretty (laughs) cool. You got free food, so (laughs) it was awesome.
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, so what advice would you give to freshman year, Patty, if you could?
4: Don't think so much. Hmm. Have fun. Have more fun. Um,
3: Not too much, though. Not too much fun.
4: (laughs) But, like, like, really enjoy every day. Cause like it goes by fast. Like, yeah, you and I are old. Because so, yeah. So like, it feels we like yesterday old. we were just <laughs> going in and out of sacks. I know.
3: So yeah. For people listening, me and Patty were good yeah. friends back in the dorms days. Day one homies. Yeah. So we've been here a while. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me, Patty. Yeah, Thanks. And, uh, good luck this season. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Big thanks
0: to Grace. Uh, big thanks to Jordan and Patty too, for taking time to sit down with us. Uh, Next week's interview, let's see how it goes. I'm really curious to see who she gets next. I think I have an idea, but hey, we'll go from there. But transitioning now, CMU Field Hockey. Glad tight wins here in the MAC play. We've got two road matches this week. Let's talk now with Miss Ashley Burtness to talk some CMU Field Hockey. All right, joining me now in a segment I truly dearly. You treasure because I love this field hockey program so much with my history on it. Join us now with staff reporter Ashley Berkness. Ashley, how are we feeling this Monday after homecoming?
5: Very good.
0: Good, glad to hear. Glad to hear. So I know it's been a couple weeks since we talked. So let's catch uh, let's catch up with the listeners here. Um, since we talked, you know, they get, last time we talked, they were coming off the one up the win over St. Francis, and since then, kind of obviously what happened with Christian and with football, it's gone a little frustrating downhill. Uh three two loss at Miami. 4th loss Nebel number one ranked Iowa, who I'm pretty sure is still undefeated. And then a 2-1 to double overtime heartbreaking loss on Friday against Ohio. It's been a, now a three-game skid. Just what's been going on with this team?
5: So something big is defense. They've been very strong defensively, but they aren't taking the opportunities to attack on the offensive side. They've been very strong defensively, uh, playing together as a team. Even though playing together does help the outcome, I think it has shown that working together has the positives because the last few games, it's they've been close games. So working together, it's helping them. They're playing well defensively. So I think if they just continue to do that and then start attacking when they have the chances, they could get some wins.
0: Gotcha. Then talk to me a bit about this Ohio game. I know I kept track of the life stats a little bit on Friday, but I know Ohio came in, scored early in the third quarter. Very late, CMU comes back in ties. So just talk about that push right there at the last minute.
5: Yeah, it's like kind of like a different team from the first half and the second half. You know, first half it was very slow, nothing happening. And then they came out in the second half, and they were working together and – it, they
0: scored and they were using that momentum to go into overtime. Gotcha. And then um, look at the skill here coming up: back on the road uh, at Bellarmine on Friday, then at St. Louis on Sunday, Louisville, Kentucky, and St. Louis, Missouri. Both. We looked at that map like a couple weeks ago. That's that seems like not a fun little stretch here, but yeah. it's two crucial games because you have four left after this. You have two have a home and home on 20th and 30th against Appalachian State. Like I'm not gonna say these games. I' and say they' three and ten right now, one and four in the conference, you've lost your last three, you're two and five on the road, one and five at home. What is it going to take for this weekend for them to really try and climb back in the max standings?
5: I think they really gotta again focus on like the defense and attacking then and, and then also coming off on the offensive side and just attack and using those chances where they have the opportunity to score and just really focus on that and push it and push it and push it. And, yeah, just hopefully they can get some wins coming
0: up. Right on. Um, so for this season, who are quick about players that, like, have stood out to you? Like, I know goal has been good. Katie Mixon's been solid for yeah. them. But you could go outside this, too. But who has impressed you so far watching the team this season?
5: I think I've noticed Alice O'Hagan. She, when they played Miami, Ohio, she scored that last goal, with, like, seconds left. She's scored off few key goals in the last two games so i think she's been really strong and hopefully she can help them in these next coming games
0: right on any last thoughts about this team before we sign up for the week
5: like i said last time is just go out and support them the crowd helps it really does so yeah go out and watch them
0: right on. thank you very much ashley thanks for your time
5: thank you
0: big thanks to ashley a new member of our desk that joined september and she's just been continuing to grow really proud to see the work she has done uh but now as always, we end a segment with football. So now, let's get down to our talk with staff reporter, Christian Boer. You know, last time we talked, we were talking about Seeming Less Miami. We take, you know, we haven't talked a game in about a week now. And all of a sudden, they've won their last two. Like, yeah. what in the world? Like, it's a weird. So, joining me now, wrap up the show, because you always say football for last in the show. staff reporter, Mr. Christian Boer. Christian It's Monday. I'm still running a bit of a high from the overtime win, but how are we feeling right now? Well, yeah,
6: that was crazy. I mean, you know, it's cool at the end of the day, winning in overtime is awesome, but uh, it shouldn't have got to that point. And I think McElwain and company realized that. You're
0: totally right. They're up 20-3 at one point. They came out firing in that first game against Talia. We'll talk both games here, but we'll start with Talia, the one that's freshest on the mind right
6: now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know they did. They started fast. I mean, that's as fast as they've started all season. Um, I think it's honestly I think it's their first first drive touchdown, since the opener.
0: And not only that, Missouri. not only that, but that was an impressive fourteen yes. play drive. That's the best drive I've seen him play. seen him have all season, and obviously capitalized on that short field position with a barely twenty yard punt.
6: Yeah, that was
0: yeah. kind of rough. But then, you know, it was twenty twenty to three at one point. All of a sudden, um, triple offense. I think I'm probably a little too aggressive. I think we were talking about it. Yeah, I think I think a little too aggressive in the passing game, trying to take too big of shots. I think. I mean, if they just keep it short and simple like they were early in the game, I think it would have been just fine. But instead, we're talking about a 26-23 overtime win, and you yeah. what? Obviously happy with the win, but I think that second half is something they're not happy about.
6: Yeah, I think that it's a, it's a mixture of things. I think part of it is like you said, uh, trying to land the knockout punch in the at the end of the first quarter when you're throwing deep balls to Dallas Dixon and Khalil Pimpleton. Um and you know, I think that offense was hurt more than people realize by Ja'Cory Sullivan being out just because he's a guy you can go to on third downs and one on one and he can win and get you a first down, but not having that hurt him. But also I think it had to do with adjustments. I think Toledo really adjusted coming out of the locker room, and I don't think Central was ready for it. And I think that was the case on both sides of the ball. Like case in point, late in the game, you know, it's third down. Central Michigan on defense had dialed up a lot of cover zero or cover one blitzes. And Dequan Finn comes up to the line, sees that, checks to a speed option and runs for a touchdown. Uh, so I think that that's kind of the problem. I think they didn't adjust the adjustments of Toledo.
0: You know, I agree with you on that one. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, off Fancy start believing in the mullet.
6: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Marshall, Marshall made seven around out four for four. I totally thought that was a trend in the locker room, the entire thing. But, yeah, when, no, but, but I, asked, I asked Troy Harrison the question, like, do you believe in the mullet? And he told me, like, nah, man. And, like, he had to, to explain to him, like, Okay, so it's not as big a deal as we thought. But, you know, we can coin yeah. it. We can get t-shirts going. Like,
6: I mean, you know, when McAwain uses it, you think it's something that, that maybe everybody's in on. But, <laughs> no, that's just a McAwain thing, apparently.
0: Apparently <laughs> so. But, hey, John Marshall, Meter, Mac West Special Teams Player of the Week. Lots of charisma with him, too. I like it. There is. But let's go back another week to this Ohio game. We knew going in, walking in, they were 0-1, the Mac. Ohio, I believe, at the time, was also trying to look at the record. Now, they were 1-0 at that time. So, but... You know, it didn't feel like a must-win game, but in reality, it kind of was a must-win game. And, you know, I think we started to see a lot of parity from 2020 and 2021. That went two weeks ago in Athens, 30-27 final, just like in 2020. Just like with last year in Toledo, that was a three. That game was within a field goal. Yeah. But the Ohio game just, you know, Pimletons obviously stepped up, but... What things do you think happened at Ohio that kind of like set the tone for them to for this team to possibly make a run?
6: Yeah, you know, I think that Daniel Richardson matured a little bit. I think that he was really slapped in the face with adversity. It's the first time in his career that he's thrown multiple interceptions in a game. I mean, he threw them both relatively early. I mean, uh, the first one I think was on the first drive and then the second one might have been early in the third quarter. Uh but you saw him really step it up and not let that bother him. Um, and then he made the big throws when he had to. I mean, on that last touchdown drive that they had, he had the big one down the sideline to Dixon, and then the game-winning touchdown pass to Pippleton. So I think he matured quite a bit, and I also think you started to see the defense kind of find its identity. Uh, you know, Troy Brown went out early in that game, and Justin Whiteside came in and played really well, and then he took that to Toledo. I mean, we could talk all day about his performance, but a lot of maturation throughout the team, I think, and Against an Ohio team that, I mean, they blew a big lead to Buffalo. I don't think they were that good. But at the end of the day, nobody in the MAC is that good or that bad. Um, And that's what makes this conference so much fun.
0: You mentioned Justin White. Let's just hit him briefly. Um, Obviously, we talked about this before. Coach Pack mentioned in July that he liked the pieces his team had. That's all about coming and bringing them together. I think it's safe to say now that I think the linebacking core is together. Yeah. I think it's somewhat safe to say that the defensive line has come together. Do you
6: agree with that? Yeah, no, but I think both position groups have found their footing, man. Um, you know, you've got the old and the new. I, I like that dynamic with the defensive line. Guys like Harrison and Sadiq have been here a while, and then guys like Bristol and um, Inka'um and John Wesley Whiteside who are just kind of finding their footing. And then linebacker, obviously you got the two studs, of Troy Brown and George Douglas, but, I mean, Kyle Moretti and Justin Whiteside have both been awesome.
0: Yeah, but also we talked about secondary two. I thought, honestly, I thought that secondary played a better game yeah. against Toledo. Now, there was there still one big pass play? Yeah, but that's kind of expected, I think, yeah. like any defense. But, And I understand Toledo came in this game, like, their biggest questions were on offense. Yeah. But that secondary, though, I still thought play. I mean, they made some strides, I, think, I thought, yeah. this week.
6: Yeah, I mean, Daquan Finn was Daquan Finn. I mean, he missed some big throws. Uh, The, the one he sailed on the first drive and threw it, like, to the student section was... But no, I mean they they were tested and they came through, um, and I think that that's something that they can build on because that Toledo team is gonna beat good teams the rest of the way. I mean I think they lost a or no they beat Ball State already, and um, you know it's I think that's their lone conference win is Ball State, and um, so I think it'll be very interesting if you uh, if you follow that squad for the rest of the way and, and Central at the end of the day that's a that's a good win. So.
0: It really is. But now we're shift gears here. We mentioned the wow, wow, Mac West. We knew in July this was going to be a six-way dogfight. Mm-hmm. Pun intended for the next team we're going to talk about, ironically enough, sitting at 3-0. The 3-0, it's the NIU Huskies. Um, right now there's a bit of a log jam. Toledo Eastern, 1-2, center toward the bottom. Three-way tie with a ball, which somehow they're totally not a state. And Western Michigan. And see me all 2-1 right now. NIU 3-0. First of all, are you surprised that NNU right now is three and zero with and Lombardi and the Mac?
6: Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, you know, they beat Toledo, which is the big surprise, and I think the other two wins are Bowling Green and Eastern. Um, and you know, Eastern's going to be all right, but I don't know too much about Bowling Green. I know that he had that huge upset of Minnesota, uh, but they're zero and three to start conference play. So it's not like they've gone through the ringer yet. They will. Um, I think it's Central Kent State and then maybe Western after that. Uh, but, no, I am surprised. But, you know, at the same time, this team gives off 2019 Central Michigan vibes. You've got the experienced quarterback who's kind of, you know, playing for his last go around in Lockheed Lombardi, much like Quentin Dormody. And then uh, lots of talented young playmakers like Harrison Whaley and Tyrese Ritchie and those guys. So um, they're they a talented bunch. And um, the the longer this goes on, the less I'm going to be surprised.
0: You know, I th- I think you're know, We talked after media day. I I kind of figured like NIU would be a team that, you know, maybe August September, maybe to find yeah. their footing. Then like October November, they're a problem. Yeah. When they got the win against Georgia Tech, that that clicked yeah. right away for them. Seriously. Now here's my issue with NIU. You mentioned teams they beat. All right, right, 27-21 over Eastern Michigan. Eastern plays everybody tight one position yes. on the MAC. Yes. A two-point win on the road to the I'll give them that. That's a big win for them. Yeah. But we also know, also know, know now what Toledo's offense kind of – I'm not going to say can, like, has trouble getting out of that second gear because they kind of did that second half. But they're a team that's, like, that offense is still, I feel, a work in progress. Yeah. And then, but Bowling Green, like, look, I'm going to be dead honest. Yes, they upset Minnesota. But Bowling Green is still going to be a team in the bottom of the Mac East. Yeah. Like, there, there's, there's still a gap, like, Akron, Bowling Green, and then the remaining contenders. Yeah. And they only won by eight at home. I think, A, CMU has seen better quarterbacks than yes. Rocky Lombardi. I think Daquan fans a better quarterback. max Johnson from LSU, definitely a better quarterback. There's a reason why Lombardi didn't stay at MSU his whole career, why he struggled that starting spot. And that's why he now has six touchdowns with six picks, throwing-wise. And it's completely less than 50% of his passes. Mm-hmm. I don't think – I think it's going to be tight at half, but I I seriously don't think that NIU – it's gonna be ready for this out of the gate. It wouldn't shock me if you see like an early kind of start, very similar to what CMU did to Toledo. It wouldn't shock me if they got up early. If CMU can find a way to adjust properly in offense, and just let that defense eat. Yeah. I don't see why CMU can win this by more than a touchdown. Honestly, like if I'm looking at the parity here, because I mentioned, because I mentioned at the start of the segment, the game so far in the MAC played very similar last season. You know, Ohio was a thirty twenty seven win. Toledo was within their field goal. Do you remember do you remember the NU game last year? Yeah, I remember First half was tight, it was second like so, to
6: nothing,
0: yeah. At halftime, and the second half they just like mopped the floor yeah. with them. I I I am dead serious when I say this. Now we're back in Mount Pleasant. I don't think Rocky and the Barty moves Neil enough to make that game to spin no, the game
6: in NEU's favor entirely. I'm with you on that. I don't think he's a game breaker by any means. I do know that um, he's had experience in big games similar to this, not saying that Michi- or CMU Northern Illinois is anywhere near the caliber of Michigan Michigan State, but uh, he's coming and made some plays and, and won some big games. So I'm not going to discount him, but at the same time, I don't think he's a game-breaking talent, and I don't think he's going to win this game for Northern Illinois by any means. No.
0: Now, I will say this too. The margin of score difference is not going to be as big as it was last yeah. time around. It's going to be... I think it's still in the possession, which shocked me about it being a two-possession game. But it's not going to be that massive blowout we saw in up last year, right. which you and I drove six hours for. Hey, that was a good time, though. I enjoyed that. That's fun. But if you look also at NIU's schedule here, um, at, after this, it's at Kent State, home against Ball State, at Buffalo, and home against Western. We mentioned a 3-0, but I honestly don't think they're run the table in the West. I, don't I think that. they dropped two more in here. Yeah, I think so, Chris. I'm gonna ask you now, should we sit right here, right now. CMU also tough stretch after this one. I have a bye week yeah. at Western, home against Kent State, at Ball State, and then home against Eastern. Central Michigan could walk out of the West and be playing at Ford Field in December. At this point, as you see it, that scenario happens when CMU is fighting representing the Mac West the Mac title game. If
6: they go four and one in their last five, they've got one game. To lose out of all that No I mean that stretch of Western Kent State Ball State Is going to be brutal You got to win them all You got to win them all If you're going to win it Because not only that But I mean Ball State's going to You can count on them to run the table At some point and Win a couple games in a row Western Michigan They hung 60 On Kent State <laughs> This isn't going to be easy But you got to win games And that's what they're paying Jim McElwain to do Is win these games So I think they got to go 4-1 6-2 and, one. Six and two, is the floor for winning the MAC West, I think. I think 6-2 and two gets it done, and, I mean, that's that's about it. You just got to win out.
0: Yeah, and then we look at Western schedule on the stretch here. This week, they're at Toledo. Then, obviously, November, Wednesday, November 3rd, the big game that's going to make or break how enjoyable my Thanksgiving is with my family with Western Central. Home against Akron at Eastern and then at NIU. I mean and then Ball State, We just just talk here. They end it home against Miami, at Akron, at NIU, home against CMU, and then home against Buffalo. I mean, I'm not much of a drama guy, but man, this is gonna be a fun end of this gonna, division.
6: It is it is gonna
0: be fun. It's gonna be fun. But again, this Saturday at noon at Kelly Shorts, CMU hosting NIU and what maybe one of the biggest games of the season, not going to lie. I mean, look, I get it. Every MAC game's going to be big, yeah. But you got a chance to knock off the top. The, uh, another pun here, the top dog in the Huskies with NIU. <sighs> I'm so punny. I love it. But, Christian, any last thoughts about this team before we sign off for the week? No, sir. All right. This is staff reporter Christian Boer. I'm sports editor Mitch Fosberg. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of Maroon and Bold. And as always, Chippewa fans, be safe.